Winnie. Hi, Nancy. Welcome to episode 37 of the Front Porch Book Club. The Front Porch Book Club is a podcast that meets twice a month. We like to dig deep into the relationship between characters and the worlds they live in. Grab your book and iced tea and join us on the Front Porch. Hey, Nancy. Yeah. Remember when we read Where the Crawdads Sing? I do. (laughs) (laughs) It's in movie form. Have you seen it? I did see it probably about a month ago. Two of my college girlfriends and I decided to get together and go see a movie and also have lunch, of course. And we had a great time. We loved the movie. Daisy Edgar Jones plays Kaya in the movie, and she just did a great job. So the actors who played the two main young men, they were also great too. So it was just really fun to see the movie maker's vision of this story. And it was really fun to see the marsh, especially since the marsh plays such an important role in that book. And I'm not really super familiar with marshland. It was fun to see what the marsh is all about. I know we talked about the praying mantis. (laughs) When we did our podcast. Yes. Did the praying mantis have a role? The praying mantis did have a role. (laughs) I was going to say, I think that's important because it's the shadowing of part of the, the book for me. I remember you saying that praying mantis bit was how you knew what the ending of the book was going to (laughs) be. I just thought it was more biology about the marsh. That completely passed me by. (laughs) But the praying mantis survives. It's a different way that the praying mantis is talked about than in the book, because I think she's reading about it and she is thinking about it. Not great movie making potential. Someone reading and thinking about a key plot point. So instead, (laughs) it's talked about in a different way between actual characters. And so I asked my friend who had not read the book, did you see the ending coming? And she said, no. And I told her that you had seen it coming because of the praying mantis. And uh, she was just as impressed as I was about your ability (laughs) to see that that was foreshadowing. (laughs) Well, okay. So maybe it has to do more about the, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade. We had a praying mantis in our classroom (laughs) at school and we had to bring it live bugs. Oh, Don't you remember this, Nancy? So I would have to look under rocks in the yard, scoop out bugs. (laughs) I do remember that. To the praying mantis. Very creepy, very weird. But it was the science. Maybe that's why I never got good grades in science. (laughs) I got lots of D's in science growing up. That may have been the start of it. But yeah, the whole praying mantis thing was, you know, it cemented in my, (laughs) the meaning of the praying mantis. That is really funny. Anyway, I'm glad that you liked the movie. I would like to see it because I really did like the book. Mm -hmm. And I would like to see these characters on screen. I think you would really enjoy it. You know, sometimes movies destroy the book that you've read and liked. This movie will just be a fun, different way of experiencing the book. Well, and how fun that you went with your college gal pals, as I call them. I think that's fun that you did that. (laughs) Yeah, it was. (laughs) Well, you know what? We've got a book coming up here, our next book, Nance. And they're going to be making a movie. 
at least the rumor is on this one as well. And we have done a couple of books here that are talked about being made into movies. Do you think that we can take any credit for bumping these books into movie dumb? (laughs) Absolutely. I will take credit where credit is due. Yes, I believe so. (laughs) I know that Hollywood has their ears towards us. I think there's no question about that. Absolutely. So yes. So our book this month is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by author V.E. Schwab. Not only is it going to be made into a movie, it was on many bestseller lists. A lot of people have really loved this book and loved the characters. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing the story and movie form also. This book starts in the 17th century when we meet a young French girl, Addie LaRue. And she is smart and she is in her own small town and she wants to travel and experience the world. Yeah. Well, her parents have (laughs) decided to arrange a marriage for her. She is not wanting to marry this guy. She doesn't love him. She does. She sees her best friend settle down, raise kids, and she just doesn't want that life. She wants to get out and experience life. So she runs away, basically walking to the church. She runs away, makes a deal with the dark side. And he asked her what she wants. What she wants is to live freely, have more time. But because this is darkness, there's a twist. She has a curse on her that she is going to be immortal. And also that people are going to forget about her as soon as she walks away. Yeah. And so the book follows her from the 17th century to present day. And it talks about her journeys and her struggles throughout that experience. And the devil or darkness comes in and out of her life, tempting her because as soon as she decides enough's enough, I'm done. I've lived a good life. Then he's going to take her soul, which is very creepy. (laughs) She ends up naming him Luke. Lucifer. Could be Lucifer, yes. (laughs) So we follow Addie through the centuries, but eventually, as you mentioned, a lot of the story centers in present day times, and we meet a young man, Henry, who manages a used bookstore in New York. By now, Addie has been to many countries, met many people. She's been alive for 300 years. She's figured out a way to navigate the world, knowing that she can steal things. And if she leaves for just a moment or two and walks back in, people will not remember her. So she steals the book. He catches her and is upset, but lets her go. But she really likes the bookstore. So she thinks, well, I'll return to the bookstore and just spend some more time there because it was a nice place. So she returns and Henry is there again. And he looks at her and he says, what are you doing here? You were here yesterday and you stole a book. And she is astounded because this is the first time anyone has remembered her in 300 years. So that's a real turning point. Yes, I'm so relieved because Henry seems like a nice person. Yeah. And now she's made a connection with somebody after 300 years. <laughs> Although she has connected with various people through those 300 years, they certainly have been unusual relationships because they do not remember her the next day. And so she starts a relationship with them all over again until she 
nearly always just eventually becomes really attached to them and just cannot stand the torment of knowing every morning they are not going to know who she is. And so she has to redevelop a relationship with them. Yeah. And it's so sad because it takes her a long time to figure this out. Mm -hmm. She's hungry. She doesn't have a place to be. I mean, even when we pick her up in New York, She's she doesn't have permanent residence because she doesn't have a job. She couldn't ever have a job in right. this situation. It's just a really, really dismal existence. But she does have a lot of interesting experiences with famous people and has experiences in art and interesting things that happen. So she develops quite a little life here, but I think it's so sad because she doesn't have the standing relationship. She goes home. Mm -hmm. Her mom doesn't know her. Mm -hmm. It's just really sad. But Oh, I'm so happy when Henry comes into play that I'm worried that he's not going to remember her one day. So I'm a little anxious about that, but he does always remember her. Yeah. And I guess we're going to do some spoilers here, Dance, huh? Yeah. So just a note, if you have not read the book and do not want to know some of the twists and turns in the book, turn us off now and turn us back on after you've read the book and see what you think in relation to what we talk about. But we are going to talk a little bit about some of these twists and turns. So, Lenny, you're talking a little bit about how difficult it was for Addie as she navigates the world. She can have no job or residence. It seems like part of the curse is she really can't keep a hold of anything. Anything that she tries to keep ends up becoming lost in some way or another. What do you think would be the worst thing about being forgotten as soon as you're out of someone's presence? And would there be anything good about it? The worst thing about this and the most painful part of this is not only the poverty that she finds herself in, in the 17th century France. As a woman. As a woman, she has nothing. I mean, she's even wearing that tattered wedding dress for a while until she feels, oh, I can steal some dresses. This is good. At least I can look good. Yeah. So the poverty is one thing. She always is hungry and she's always looking for a place to stay. Uh, I think in Maslow's hierarchy, she is just on the level of surviving. Just where am I going to stay? What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? And that is her existence for a very long time. But I also think that really the hardest part there is that no one remembers her and she has no lasting friendships. Yes, she has the ability and develops the ability to make quick friends. Yeah. To be engaging, to be social, to talk to people. But as soon as night falls and they go their way, or as soon as the conversation ends, that relationship is over. And I just think that's just so tragic. Mm-hmm. What about you, Nance? Did you find any parts particularly like the worst thing or the best thing? Like you, I thought that hand-to-mouth existence just would be exhausting, that you are constantly figuring out, where am I going to sleep tonight? Where am I going to eat? What clothes am I going to wear? And I thought the author did a really good job of 
playing that out for the reader? What would it really be like? What are the consequences of being forgotten as soon as you're outside someone's presence? On the other hand, I thought it was fun how sometimes Addie played with being forgotten so that she could steal things and know that even if they saw her again, they would have no memory that it was her. So she kind of learned to game the system, which is interesting because she kind of becomes immoral along with her immortality. Right. She's forced to steal and lie and cheat in order to survive. And that is just a consequence of this curse. It was interesting to me, too, that there were some people she met. She didn't get the response she was hoping for. She knew she just had to leave for a minute or two. And when she came back, they would have no memory so she could try again and see if this approach worked. I mean, it's a little bit like Groundhog Day in that way, that movie. Right. But of course, the flip side of that is, like you mentioned, she goes back to see, I think, her best friend. They have a really nice conversation. Of course, her friend doesn't know who she is. The friend gives her her baby And Addie is just loving seeing this baby. But then her friend walks out the door because her husband calls. And when they come back in, as far as they know, here's this stranger holding their baby and they kick her out of their house. So it was very interesting the various ways the author played with those ideas and showed some of the good things about it as well as some of the bad things. And I will say this about Addie. The girl does have a lot of grit to her. I don't know that I could be cold even one or two days <laughs> and really feel like I wanted to survive immortality. Yeah. Boy, she doesn't give up. No. As comfortable as Luke gives her those opportunities. The whole theme of darkness, Satan, the devil is an interesting perspective. I'm wondering. Would you want to live forever if you could? No, especially if I'm going to be cold. <laughs> the, the friend down the road raising the babies, that seemed fine to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And that little cottage. Yeah. Making soup and feeding the babies, that seemed fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So what if you negotiated a better deal if you were a little more savvy than Addie and you weren't going to sell your soul to the devil And you didn't have the problem of people forgetting you as soon as you stepped outside their presence. What if you could just live forever, period? Well, I don't think so. I love life. Yeah. I love experiencing different things. I have a new life now almost because my son is outside the house and he's living his own life. Now now I have a lot more free time. When I retire, I'm going to have even more free time. So my life changes and I'm really happy with life. I like life. I think it would be interesting to see the changes like Addie did. Yeah. But I don't have any big desire to live after like 80, 90. I think 90. I want to make it to 80. <laughs> That's only 20 years away. This is crazy. Maybe Uh-oh. I do want to live a long time. I'm already 60. Holy Toledo. I better live at least 30 more years. Okay. I want to be in good health. Well, here's the thing with her is she's beautiful. Yes. To stay as a young person and in the prime of her life so that all these men are attracted to her. Yeah. That might not be such a bad deal. (laughs) What do you think, Nance? Do you want to live forever on the face of this earth? 
I don't know. I think I would be sad knowing the people I love are not living forever. Mm -hmm. They're growing old and dying and I'm staying young. And I think that kind of non-parallel way of living would be difficult. Mm -hmm. But boy, I don't know. There's something about living forever. I think it would be so interesting because of the technological changes and that you'd experience so much like Addie did. She learned a lot of different languages and she taught herself how to play many musical instruments. I think that would be so fun because you would never stop learning and, and exploring and growing. And I think that would be fabulous. Right. And she gets to hop on different boats and come to America and then go back. Right. So she's made a way of figuring it out. Yeah. But really, to me, there's a tragedy about it. Yes. And such a sadness about her life. Lenny, I think one of the reasons that you think the book is so sad is because this book shows again and again Addie's solitude as she moves through these three centuries of being forgotten. And you are not a person that enjoys solitude at all. You're like a people person. So I think all of this solitude and her being by herself as she is making her way in the world for you probably reads as even more sad than it reads to someone like me, who is more of an introvert and enjoys solitude. Yeah, I think you're right. She likes to draw. She likes to read. You're definitely more into the arts and spending time by yourself to develop those kinds of things. I think it's very hard for me to even want to go there. Yeah, I think that you're a person who gains joy and meaning and purpose through relationships with others. And if those were all stripped away, I think for you, that feels pretty bleak. It would be very bleak because the only other person is Luke. And he's not a person <laughs> I trust at all. Okay. Speaking of Luke, he's maybe a devil or a demon or just night or darkness. We don't really get a good bead on exactly who Luke is because Luke doesn't ever really tell us exactly who he is. He describes himself as being the knight or some such nonsense. There are some characters who are monotheists. So Addie's parents are Christian, but they're really rigid. And Addie does not cotton to this very rigid Christian upbringing that she's had. She more is at home with Estelle, who is an old woman who believes in many gods. So this is a more primitive religion. Estelle warns Addie, and this is what she says. The old gods may be great, but they are neither kind nor merciful. They are fickle, unsteady as moonlight on water or shadows in a storm. If you insist on calling them, take heed. Be careful what you ask for. Be willing to pay the price. And no matter how desperate or dire, never pray to the gods that answer after dark. And as Addie is running away from this marriage, she is praying to the gods for help, but she has no answer. She keeps praying and it becomes nighttime. And that's when Luke appears and she has inadvertently, against Estelle's warnings, prayed to a god that is answered after dark. 
So one of the things that I thought the author, V.E. Schwab, was setting up here was a really interesting exploration of monotheism and polytheism and the idea of devils or demons and are gods kind and merciful or are they fickle? And I would say the one disappointment is she really doesn't explore that too much in the book. We just kind of get Luke and Addie doesn't think very deeply about what she believes about God. Is there a counterpoint to Luke? She just really is much more focused on her relationship with Luke. For me, that would have been a really interesting exploration in this book. It just felt like it was built for it. I would have liked to hear more about that. And I think at one point she ponders it lightly, Yeah, but I would have liked to have had that go deeper because if you believe in the darkness and you believe that there's evil, then where is the good coming from? Right. If you believe in the underworld or you believe in things that you can't see, that seems to open up this other possibility and she even reveres Estelle, and Estelle definitely believed in, well, she called it old gods, new gods, but she certainly had this feeling of there's good and there's bad and different gods that do or say different things, and some of them are good and not, but she really doesn't seem too interested in exploring that. I'm wondering if it's because she is so trapped in darkness, like she makes this decision, whether she realizes or not, that she is having a relationship with the darkness. Yeah. There were a couple of times I read this and I thought, why doesn't she break the spell? I mean, I know it's a fiction book, right? but it seems to me that she's dancing with the devil. Oh, very much. She is in a, this weird relationship with him. Mm-hmm. There are times she's waiting for him mm-hmm. and might be disappointed if he doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. And he is yanking her chain. Yeah. She believes him sometimes. And I'm like, why would you believe in him? Why would you even think that he is telling you the truth about anything? He is self-serving. He is toying with you. Right. She is gullible when she first starts this relationship with him. She is not worldly at all. She has basically lived in this tiny little French town. And through her experiences and through what she's going through, she obviously becomes much more worldly. But her exploring spirituality, other than just the dark side, mm-hmm. it's just not there for her. She's kind of blinded to it. Mm-hmm. She's even dealing with him at the end. Why are you even making another pack with him? Mm-hmm. I was kind of disappointed in that. Haven't you learned <laughs> that he is a liar, a manipulator? You really think you're going to get one over on him even at the end? doesn't work well for you to be making packs with this guy. <laughs> but she doesn't learn her lesson. No, and she never thinks about, well, what is the counterpoint? Yeah. If there's a Luke, is there someone else I could call on? Is there an alternative for me? But you're right. She's very trapped in that relationship. And it's just a battle of wills between her and him. And there's really mm-hmm. nothing else outside that. Right. And she's powerless in a lot of ways. Yeah. She's not going to win. She wanted freedom. 
And she won a choice, but she gives him an awful lot of power over her. Yeah, she does. Okay, so I know you loved Henry. Would you like to talk about Henry? Well, I liked him because he was a good boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, you know, he's like a little mouse of a guy who works in a a library. I think he has glasses. (laughs) He has this little posse of interesting friends. Right. Kind of bumbles along, didn't finish college, kind of seen as a disappointment maybe to his family. Mm -hmm. Doesn't really stand up for himself, but thank goodness he's there because... The second half of the book, or at least when she meets him, is much more enjoyable because now she has a relationship and a place to stay and food, which is very, very nice. A bed and food. Her material circumstances improved dramatically with Henry. Yes. Yeah. So I really liked him. And then we learn, of course, he's made a deal with the devil. I- Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why he can recognize her. Mm -hmm. So Henry's pack with the devil is for one year, he wants everyone to kind of admire him and to have people think that he's great because he doesn't feel that way. Luke gives him that. The author has him being with different people and they kind of get glassy eyed and just think that he's great. And of course, his parents are now saying how proud they are of him. Mm-hmm. And Addie falls for him. He is the type of person that Addie needs. Mm-hmm. His whole story is interesting because he is at his moment of desperation. He's at a very, very low point. Satan or the devil, Luke, comes in, makes a pack with him. And then everybody likes him. Addie meets him. She falls for him. They have a really nice relationship. And then she learns of the pact. Mm -hmm. And that is that after a year, he's not going to live immortal like Addie is. His his soul is going to be swooped away. He just wants one good year in his life. And I think she meets him and he has 36 days left. (laughs) She doesn't have much. What she's going to do about that is then the end of the book. Mm -hmm. There are all these thoughts that go through your head as you're reading this. Like, who is this guy? Yeah. He looks a little bit like Luke. Why does he look like him? I was hoping for like a good 60 years with them. Yeah. She buries him and she moves on. Anyway, at the end of the book, (laughs) Addie makes a new deal with Luke. Yeah. Don't know why she would. Didn't work out for her well the first time. <laughs> but this allows Henry to live out his natural life instead of giving his mortal soul to Luke at the end of that year. She says, look, I'm going to create a deal for you. You give Henry his life. Let him go on and lead his life. And I will become your girlfriend, basically, (laughs) until you grow tired of me. Mm -hmm. Really? Okay. (laughs) I think she feels like she has some control or power over Luke, that he likes her. I think he likes toying with her. I think he likes having power over her. I think he likes pushing her buttons and tormenting her and being horrible to her, but 
this is her only person that she's known for 300 years. So in some ways, she's, I think, fooling herself that he cares for her. Mm-hmm. On some level, I think the author is trying for us to think that he does care for her, but I never bought into that. Did you buy into that? I thought he was impressed by her resilience and her grit. Mm -hmm. I think at some point in the book, he says that he had never had anyone who fought so much for her life and her soul. I think that she was a worthy opponent in some ways to him, but I agree that he spent a lot of time really toying with her. And she lived with him, what, for three decades in New Orleans. And it really wasn't until the end of that. The reason she broke that off was because she realized that he was just toying with her and that she could not trust what he said. I thought the ending was possibly triumphant because it seemed like maybe she had flipped the tables on Luke. He had cursed her due to a technicality in their agreement. And so now she had created this technicality in their agreement that would benefit her. I thought she would be triumphant. Ultimately, she would not probably get Henry because it would probably take longer than Henry's natural life for Luke to grow tired of Addie, but she was going to make herself as distasteful to Luke as she possibly could, that he would just send her away and say, I'm tired of you. Go away. I don't want to have anything else to do with you. And she thought she could do that. And I left the book thinking, well, if anyone could do it, I think Addie could. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't really feel that way. I felt her still naive at the end, like, girl, what are you doing? Don't do this. I can't do a part two of this book. This is too painful. Why in the world would you make a pact with him? Yeah. Interesting. I think maybe the author probably wanted your reaction maybe more than mine. Yeah. To me, it was self-sacrificing that she made such a deal with Luke. Definitely. To save Henry, the most important person that she had had in 300 years. Right. But she definitely was ensnarled in darkness. And she's sort of a tragic figure to live three decades, even with that guy. He's got green eyes. (laughs) She's seen like demons coming out of him and darkness like she's seen him in like real form yeah ripping heads off of people like that could be you you know (laughs) he's not a guy i would want to talk to that's true every once in a while he would show his true self to her and it was terrifying yeah do you think it was like a codependent relationship yes yeah yes i do (laughs) (laughs) well said i do okay in in what way just like power and control or all of this I'm going to be nice to you. I've given you a nice dinner. Now I'm going to chew your head off and I'm going to condemn you and you're going to see my wrath. Yeah. And it's just enough positive to keep her on the hook. Yeah, absolutely. That's how I see her. And so I see her as tragic. I really do. There's no light because she's following darkness and that is her connection and that is her destiny because she's chosen it. 
Mm-hmm. And I do believe that there could be an out, but that she is so attracted to Luke. She thinks of him as some kind of lifeline and he isn't. Mm-hmm. But I do like her. I like her perseverance and I like her grit. Yeah. Well, I'll be really interested to see what our guest will say about Addie. Yeah, because this is like her favorite book and she recommended it. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to it. We just scratched the surface. I think it's a pretty big book. Hard to know in my Kindle. I think it's like 500 and some pages. Wow. So it is pretty thick. I look forward to talking to Jess about why she recommended the book for us. Our website is frontporchbookclub.com. And our episodes come out twice a month on the first and third Wednesdays of each month. Well, Lenny, see you next time. Okay, Nan, see you later. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.